Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I should panel discussion where we discussed the great resignation and how it's shifting into the great attraction. labor statistics, 4 million Americans quit their jobs in July 2021. Uh, Employees between 30 and 45 years old have had the greatest increase in resignation rates, with an average increase of more than 20% between 2020 and 2021. This tidal wave of resignations is being called the Great Resignation. Hi, I'm Dr. Karthik Nagendra. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Amiboids Technologies. Uh, So we are bringing to you the Future of Work Knowledge Series. Uh, where we are talking to global HR leaders to understand what's the roadmap going to look like uh, for the future of workplaces and work at large. Uh, We recently uh, published our first uh, CHRO study uh, where we spoke to uh, 500 plus HR leaders globally and there were uh, some very interesting insights which emerged out of the study and and we will be uh, discussing that uh, today as well. Our theme for today is from great attrition to great attraction. I have an eminent uh, list of panelists uh, with me here today. Uh, so first, uh, Professor Jonathan Westover. Uh, he's from the Utah Valley University. He's an award-winning number one best-selling author, uh, ranked number one HR innovation and future of work global thought leader. Uh, he's the chair and professor of organization leadership. Uh, welcome, Professor Westover. Our thank, next, you, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Our next panelist is Sharad Verma. Uh, He's the CHRO of Iris Software uh, Incorporation. Uh, He has more than two decades of experience in HR in leadership roles uh, with many leading organizations like Polaris, SunGuard, Monster, among others. Uh, He's uh, named among India's best HR leaders by Human Capital Magazine. Welcome, Sharad. Nice to have you with us. Nice to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, Glad to be among eminent panelists. Thank you. Uh, our next panelist is uh, Srijata uh, Basur. Uh, she is the director of global HR for iMerit Technologies. Uh, she has close to two decades of experience in HR across multiple geographies, various industries, uh, where she's managed a- HR processes uh, for workforces with over 10,000 employees globally. Uh, welcome, Srijata. Nice to have you with us. Thank you. Uh, and we also have with us Anand Inamdar. Uh, he's the CEO and uh, co-founder of Amiboids. Uh, so we are, like I mentioned, a platinum Atlassian marketplace partner. Welcome, Anu. Hi, everyone. Really excited to be here. And I'm looking forward to the insightful conversation that we are going to have. So uh, my, my first question, uh, Professor. So what do you think the future of work 
looks like now that we've had this once in a generation uh, seismic event which has taken place? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I think the future of work looks more like what we've been seeing over the last couple of years during the pandemic. We've seen a seismic shift, a rapid shift. And I think many analysts figured, you know, five to 10 years from now, we would see the level of virtual um, technology-driven work as we are seeing now. But the pandemic accelerated us into that shift. Uh, It it forced uh, organizational leaders to pivot on a dime and to adopt technologies that perhaps they were resistant to. And now we find ourselves, after nearly two years of pandemic, we find ourselves used to these technologies that once uh, perhaps we we didn't really want to adopt. So I think uh, the shift has been happening. It will continue to happen. The future of work is going to see even greater technological integration of how we work. For example, the, the metaverse, what role is that going to play? in the future of work. I suspect it'll play a big role. Uh, Automation, AI, machine learning, all of these different disruptive technologies are going to shape uh, the future of work and displace certain tasks. And in some cases, perhaps even jobs or even entire careers while simultaneously creating entire new avenues of work. So it's it's a pretty exciting time. Uh, Certainly though, it's a disruptive and tumultuous time. Yeah, and I think it's it's going to be uh, learn as you go as well for for a lot of uh, you know leaders, HR community, and even employees to adapt to this uh, new work environment uh, that's going to be there. Uh, so, so as I was mentioning, we uh, we recently conducted a global CHRO study, and uh, one of the findings that we uh, got there was over seventy percent of employees see anxiety and stress impacting their work. Uh, so, so Sharad, uh, how do you see this contributing to the great attrition or the great resignation that we're looking at? Uh, thanks, uh, Dr. Karthik. I think it's a, it's a very valid question, which kind of has been staring us in the face for last uh, couple of years. Um, so there are two parts to it, right? One is the anxiety and the stress and how that in turn contributes to the great, great resignation, as it is called. Uh, I think if you look at the anxiety and the stress part, uh, and uh, so so there are two ways, two lenses to look at it. One is what happened in the last couple of years, which is pandemic as it spread through the world and created an anxiety and uncertainty of its own. And and but stress used to be there in jobs even before pandemic, right? So uh, so the way I look at uh, anxiety and stress is. Uh, there are many drivers of that at workplace, right? It could be, uh, and fundamentally, it is when, uh, you know, something is not in alignment. Your talent, uh, your peace of mind, how you are contributing to your workplace, uh, how your creativity, your potential, when all of those factors are not being completely utilized, uh, you have some amount of stress, you know? Uh, it could be it could translate into interpersonal relationships. Maybe your manager, your you know manager's manager, the entire environment, uh, what is called as toxic culture. You know, for example, all of that kind of puts a pressure on you mm-hmm. and and stress on you. And uh, I think pre-pandemic there was the tolerance levels were higher, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we used to think like okay, this is part of the job. 
you know yeah. a certain level of stress is part of the job and you even have to learn the skills to cope with it you know mm-hmm. and it was part of your survival skill portfolio uh, to you know cope with that kind of situation uh, i think pandemic has changed that because there is a bigger anxiety bubble in which we are all living so mm-hmm. pandemic is a much bigger global anxiety bubble that's how i like to think of it so in the last couple of years if you see multiple variants you don't know what's going to happen a couple of months from now mm-hmm. uh, you know there is a flip flop sometimes you see the situation is improving and yeah. then suddenly another wave comes and another variant comes and so there's a lot of uncertainty anxiety uh, people have faced a, a lot of tragedy they have seen yes. like second wave in india hardly anybody was not impacted so that caused a lot of stress and anxiety so uh, so so that's the stress and anxiety that we are dealing with how is that contributing to great resignation i think it has it has kind of uh, you know forced or it has brought people to a situation where they are reevaluating hmm. you know what is all this all about you know what is life all about if you have uncertainty about your life because of pandemic mm. and uh, what does it mean to ignore your family and be like working 14 hours in a day and because you are working from home you are actually very close to your home physically mm. uh, but you know you get on call at 9 am and then you switch off at 10 pm uh, you say hello to your children for 5 minutes you know dinner table mm. so is that the life that you really want what is the cost of this Mm-hmm. i think pandemic has kind of it has brought a mirror to us that uh, what is the kind of life you are living what is the cost you are paying uh, is this stress really worth it uh, you know look at the larger picture true true and i i think it has lowered the tolerance level tolerance that, level. that that you know this is not something that we want to keep up with so that's yeah. that's thing and of course the market situation has changed because everybody is working from home so that has been a great leveler uh, location is no longer a constraint uh, you know appearing for an interview is very easy you just get on a zoom call that's your interview and if you are selected and you want to join then log into another zoom call and you know now your induction is done and you are joining another company so it's uh, the barriers have disappeared you know uh buying a ticket getting on to an airplane going somewhere so that used to you had to think it over how does it fit in with my schedule do i really want to relocate etc all those things have disappeared mm-hmm. so the market forces is the is a very big factor and companies have adapted very uh, strongly and very rapidly to that changing environment so today sure. you know earlier you would have evaluated so much okay he is in a different location should i make this offer or not today you are not doing that you are you are welcoming talent with uh, you know uh, into the company so these are the factors uh, stress anxiety great resignation an interesting phenomena i do agree with professor uh, westover that uh, you know this change is real and it the change has accelerated the things we expected in 10 years to happen happened in just a couple of years sure sure, sure. Uh, so so multiple aspects that you spoke about and one the very interesting point you spoke about was about toxic uh, uh, culture uh, right so so in our study it showed that over 66% of respondents uh, said future employees will look for leaders who bring in lot more transparency in the organization 
so so shridatta uh, do you think organizations shelter toxic leaders uh, and and how in case you uh, that's happening in organizations how do you think that can be avoided uh, yeah i mean uh, i think sharad brought in the tune work fit and uh, it has changed over a period of time the toxicity is more visible now i mean previously like he said that you know you it was just there and we just went ahead with it and thinking that is what is expected right uh, and sadly the first answer to your question is it sadly it is i mean it is there uh, and the reason why uh, they are sheltered is in most cases toxic leaders or we shouldn't tell them leaders it's most probably the quote unquote bosses are the ones who are high performers now Mm. what do we say by high performers are people who deliver business goals right yeah. correct numbers huge amount of profits uh, you know things that are all on the positive side of the uh, you know your profit and loss statement uh, what happens is in, in in such a scenario where somebody delivers huge amount of their goals particularly is you kind of look over or you know skid over uh, the issues that is that the team is facing under that person right mm-hmm. um, we don't go in to see that oh, okay i mean come on i mean he is delivering so i'm sure there is pressure under it people need to understand that you know just go and go and uh, do the pressure it's a part of the life i mean it's part but you know uh, what we don't see is in most cases if you see and this this has been a word of mouth ever that employees do not leave uh, you know companies they leave bosses right yeah. um, and if there are leaders people don't leave them i mean see the, people will move on it's not like if somebody is there it will but you will always have that relationship so uh, till the time the company starts looking into that is the team engaged mm-hmm. i understand there is a leader he delivers or she delivers but is the team engaged are we is do we find enough uh, you know people who can come up and say you know wonderful things about this person so yes that is there but and what we do what we need to do to avoid such things i think it's not avoidance but more actionizing to mm. reduce that toxicity right um and we need to start early if we if we start most organization can focus on leadership development really really early when when an employee is moving from a you know a personal or individualistic role into mm-hmm. a team lead or uh, you know somewhere that they are taking care of the team it is where you actually introduce the leadership development right not when they have already 20 people strong team and they have no understanding what a team uh, managing is right mm-hmm. especially in this scenario think of play- people who have just become you know team leads or managers and suddenly their whole team is uh, you know working remotely they don't even see them they don't even know what a leadership is so right. till if we kind of introduce that idea of uh, leadership building very early on in the career Mm-hmm. i think that would uh, you know enable us to bring the perspective of i versus v right mm-hmm. where uh, you know that and in most cases if you see uh, you know leaders are not or we need to understand that leaders are not always the star performers in our team you know mm-hmm. they it is their teams who are the star performers mm-hmm. right it is the leaders who will drive the team to make sure that you know they perform in that way right um and also i think it not regularly to avoid i mean or to identify that culture um, there is 
something that the C level executives or senior level executives can kind of continuously do is some skip level meetings. It's very small thing, most probably, but it has a huge impact. You know, remove the managers from the meetings when you are meeting the team. You know, mm-hmm. so the team feel comfortable coordinating with maybe a two level skip person or a three level skip um, hierarchy in the sense. So you're mm-hmm. going down and meeting on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking to the people when the managers are not present, or even the HR or the man, you know, people in the management not present, bringing. Yeah people into a room where and you check what uh, what are things that are going wrong right mm-hmm. and i think that is very very important to identify actionize and to start early to remove that toxins yes. flow into the model so so professor you focus a lot on uh, you know the organization the leadership aspect of of things so so would you like to add uh, anything to what uh, shrijita just spoke about yeah i i think toxic leadership is a huge problem in most organizations. Uh, it's it's certainly not a universal issue. Uh, not every senior leader or executive is going to be a toxic leader. But I think just by the nature of the types of roles people take on and what it takes to ascend into those roles, you will find a disproportionate number of toxic people who end up being elevated into senior roles, unless you're really, really thoughtful and proactive about addressing that as you're going through the the process of of career development and leadership development and and creating pathways for people to move up in your organization. Uh, If if you're not proactive about it, I think inadvertently most organizations will probably by default end up promoting uh, more toxic leaders than not. Uh, and so if, if, we're, if we're going to try to create a, a psychologically safe organizational culture, we have to be mindful of the toxicity. We need to be mindful of, uh, you know, the, the people who surround the toxic leaders, uh, sycophants and, you know, other yes men and yes women who, who are trying to, you know, latch on to this high performer in order to progress their own career. We need to really put in place mechanisms to, to get those things cut out of the organization as much as possible. Because when you have those toxic people surrounded by sycophants, you end up having a, uh, an environment that's not psychologically safe, where people don't feel like they can uh, honestly voice dissent or their opinions or share new ideas. They fear that they will be punished for things that maybe they try that don't work. Uh, and ultimately, you're going to squash any sort of innovation that you might try that you might want to encourage within the organization. My experience has been many organizations, most organizations are, you know, they they know intellectually, they know, theoretically, that they should be promoting a psychologically safe, innovative culture. Mm-hmm. And they'll even say those things. Mm-hmm. But when the, where the rubber meets the road, you know, they have policies, practices, procedures, and norms embedded within the organization and the systems of the organization that actively discourage the actual innovation that they say they want. So unless we can uh, have the type of leadership that can model a psychologically safe environment, and we can take a good hard look at those systems and institutionalized structures that might inadvertently reinforce, um, you know, bad behaviors, as well as discourage uh, creative, innovative behaviors, you know, regardless of what our intention is, we're not going to get the types of outcomes that we want. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, uh, you know, in, in our study, it also showed that over 
uh, 61% of employees actually look for coaching and continuous feedback from their managers. So if, if the behavior of the manager is toxic and if that's not addressed at that level, it's like it could then uh, you know, go on contributing uh, to a much toxic culture. Uh, so, so Anand, uh, what do you think? How can organizations have the right people at the right places to create better uh, work environments and especially uh, focusing on managers or team leaders? I mean, I wish there was a very simple solution, something like a magic wand. I'm, I'm sure everyone on this conversation would want something like that. But unfortunately, that's not the case, right? I mean, uh, what you need in that situation is really the empathy to look at that specific individual and train and coach them, you know, extending what uh, Professor Westover and Sri mentioned, you have to start looking at these individuals in, in their leadership grooming roles before they actually become leaders by their title, right? Yeah. If, if, if we're just thinking about leaders as someone with a C-suite, someone who is chief in X, chief in Y, then probably the entire organizational culture is going to collapse, right? Mm -hmm. The managers, the tech leads, these are your leaders and you have to make them leaders before they actually become or rather gain that title. Mm -hmm. So I, I really believe that continuous feedback is the way to go. At the end of the day, these managers, these leaders have someone they are reporting to their own managers. At the end of the day, these are the people at the higher level who can help out in terms of coaching and really grooming these individuals from the leadership point of view. Interesting. So, so which it kind of boils down to how the performance management itself is being done to identify, groom, nurture these, these leaders. And, and our study shows that over 45% of organizations feel uh, that the performance management needs to be aligned more closely with objectives and key results of the organizations. Uh, so, so Sharad, uh, you know, employees now want career paths and development opportunities. They need more clarity and especially when they're working in remote or hybrid uh, work environments, there's a lot more of uncertainty of saying, so how will I be evaluated, whether there's got to be any favoritism uh, and so on and so forth, right? So how can organizations ensure uh, that they're providing a transparent uh, system, a system where their performance is very closely uh, aligned to, say, OKRs, um, and, and thereby, uh, you know, their, their productivity and performance also improves. So what are your thoughts on that? Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great question, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, how do you provide transparency in the in the performance assessment process? And uh, also, how do you link that with career opportunities and development opportunities, right? So um, I think there are some great tools, the OKR methodology that you yourself discuss, uh, described just now. Uh, it, it, it's a great methodology because uh, basically, performance evaluation is all about conversations. Yeah, you know? uh, it's about what kind of conversations you have, what frequency uh, you have those conversations, what is the content of those conversations, um, so that it does not feel like you are evaluating and assessing, and you know you are on test, etc. Also, um, annual is just not enough, right? If you have a, if you, and sometimes you find that, you know, you have ratings, but then you do not have explanation for those ratings. And then employees are kind of left wondering why was I rated this and not that, you know? So, um, so I think uh, the, the classic theory about what is good feedback is basically it's objective, it's regular, uh, it's constructive. Uh, you know, it is uh, in favor of the, it is given with the intent of, you know, developing the person. All of that is helpful. And uh, OKRs kind of uh, is a pretty good methodology for that, it, that you have regular check-ins, you have open conversations, and it should be a two-way process. If you, yeah. if somebody did not achieve a goal, then the emphasis should be on understanding what went wrong. Maybe somebody had too many goals. Maybe they were unrealistic to start with. Mm -hmm. Maybe the entire ecosystem was not set up for them to achieve those goals. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it that conversation needs to be a broader conversation. And, um, uh, you know, interestingly, if you don't have those conversations and if, you, and if your entire reward system is based only on numbers, mm -hmm. then it might become a toxic culture like we were right. talking earlier. Because they are they are like prima donna performers who just say you know these are my numbers and I have achieved them. But uh -huh. how did you achieve those numbers? Did you display the right behaviors? Uh, you know, did you cause a damage? So so the conversation should also focus on those. So I I think the right tools and technologies make a big difference over there. If you have a if you if you have a totally transparent system, you can go to like if you have inside the company a Facebook type of system where you could go to uh, and see what are the OKRs for the CEO mm -hmm. and uh, where do they stand on those? And, you know, they are more, you know, they, they give you insight into how they are progressing on those. Mm -hmm. And you could basically click on anybody in the company, see what their OKRs are. So mm -hmm. it's, it's that kind of brings in a transparency that look, everybody is sailing in the same boat and we publish and there are companies who make, for example, the, the calendars public. So you know how they are spending their time, what issues they are spending their time on, uh, you know, which kind of, what is important for the CEO and for the, the senior leaders. So that, so you know that, you know, everybody is being measured. Everybody is focusing on important things. And it's not just the numbers, but it's also the how. Um, and the conversation happens in a, 
constructive environment. I think those are a few. Constructive conversation is 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 the key aspect. Constructive there. conversation is the key. I think yes. Yeah. So, uh, Shri, uh, would you like to add uh, anything to what uh, Sharad just spoke about? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll just pick up as Sharad said that you know, showing being transparent and being public. I mean. Uh, painting the big picture to everybody in the organization is very important, right? I mean, somewhere the goals are created and then it flows down and uh, and it's lost somewhere. I mean, to connect my goal against the CEO goal is very, very important at whatever level we are. So mm. uh, as leaders, we have to take that, uh, you know, take that bottom line to communicate clearly and transparently and saying that, you know, this is what we are trying to achieve over this year. Hmm. These are the things that at sea level or this level we, we will focus on. You will be able to focus on these things because, you know, just saying, you know, client delivery or numbers or this thing will only create more uh, non-transparent environment, which will hmm. again go back to the question. Hmm. There's one more thing that is very, very important for me, I think, is the intent. You know, we can have all set up all tools. I understand the tools are very important, but, you know, they are tools, right? You will use them as intently as you have to. So the company or any organization needs to bring in a culture of positive intent that the managers are really interested to grow their team, right? Um, To show smaller milestones and actually guide them through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even cheer them on if a milestone is, uh, you know, milestone is not met. It's fine, right? I mean, uh, so that is also important. It's not just about meeting milestone. It's also about cheering on when the milestone is not met. And, uh, and smaller milestones, it's not about like, uh, you know, Sharad and, you know, Jonathan was also saying that, that, you know, it's not about the whole year. It's not about the whole thing because things change, right? We never knew that all things this will happen. So things which are achievable, visible, and then, you know, continuously doing that as a cycle would help at any moment of time in any organization. It can be any level of organization. I think that really, really helps. And being having some core values, right? How you do it, right? And the core values being equivalently measured for, you know, a C-level person against a person who has just joined Mm. that, you know, that thing will create. I mean, if I am somebody who has joined just now with two years of experience, knowing that, that my core values are almost equivalent to what, uh, you know, a C-level executive is measured on, on similar core values. I think that would obviously create a lot of uh, transparency and, you know, the faith of the organi- of the employees in an organization increases to a huge extent. So that, that was very uh, key points that you spoke about. So what's the intent behind? And I, I think in one of our conversations with an HR leader, he was saying, I think we should in fact change, uh, you know, calling performance evaluation. Instead of performance evaluation, we should uh, call it performance conversations. Uh, because evaluation is like, you know, I'm measuring you on something and you are at fault, so you need to justify yourself. Uh, whereas it needs to be a lot more of a conversation where it's a coaching kind of uh, a methodology which needs to be looked into. Uh, so, uh, Anand, like, uh, you know, Sharaj touched upon uh, the importance of having the right tools and techni- technologies also, uh, which which can, uh, you know, help measure these OKRs well. Uh, so, so what do you think, how, how best can technology be leveraged to enable this? Absolutely. I think digitization is the key going forward, especially in the given times when you are not co-located with your colleagues and friends. It's it's obviously going to be extremely difficult to 
to you know look at the continuous feedback look at the okrs unless it is in a single system of growth unless you have a single place to look at all of the hard work that you have done if you have set up the okrs if you have given the feedback but if it is not easily accessible which is not going to be the case if it is not digitized mm-hmm. so i guess when i say digitization it does not necessarily mean you have to use some complex tools right mm-hmm. for example even for doing okrs we don't recommend teams starting with okrs go in and use appraise no our usual recommendation is start with a shared spreadsheet that's the most basic form of digitization that you are going to need once your team absorbs the let's say all of the processes that are required to implement the process you'll automatically be nudged in the direction where you'll have to move to something more sophisticated interesting interesting so so as uh, you know we we touched upon multiple aspects with respect to leadership uh, you know performance management with okrs and anxiety among various aspects so all these are in a way contributing to the great great attrition uh, so if we need to move from great attrition to great attraction where employees are staying over in organizations uh, you know there are certain things which organizations need to do right uh, moving forward as as the new year begins uh, so i would request each one of you to share one strategy that uh, you think organizations can adopt Uh, to move towards uh, this great creating a great attraction uh, for their organization so uh, we'll we'll begin with uh, professor uh, and maybe this is a cop out answer but i'm going to go with focusing on employee experience uh, that that is so so vital it it always has been it, it's always been essential and for years people have been talking about uh, customer experience and and trying to make sure that you attract and retain great customers and in that you have brand loyalty and in customer commitment all of those same principles apply within the workplace to the employees so we need a strong positive employee experience holistically from from the recruitment process onboarding on through performance conversations and performance management mentoring coaching career progression all of that like all of that we need to have a really positive employee experience in that studies have shown that that will increase you know uh that will allow you to attract better people it will allow you to increase uh and retain better people and 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 uh decrease the the turnover rate increase the retention rate it will produce better results you'll have more productive uh uh innovative people who are motivated and who are just more committed to the organization. And and so in this environment where people have lots and lots of choices, we cannot just assume that if someone leaves we're going to just go out to the marketplace and find another good employee. Sure. Um so many positions are being left unfilled right now. Yes. And so it's not it's not even a matter of getting like a good employee, like we can't even find a bad employee sometimes to replace those who have left. Uh and, and so we just have to focus on our people it, we can't just claim it's you know fluffy hr it's warm fuzzies and we just need everyone to be happy all the time that's not what we're talking about we're talking about actual bottom line impacts that are going to help the organization be successful unless we uh reorient ourselves towards employee experience we're going to lose out in the marketplace of labor very interesting sharan i think uh, that was an important point uh, i would like to add 
value-based culture and uh, authentic leadership. Mm-hmm. So, so you can't, uh, you know, project uh, in the marketplace something which you're not, because if people buy that and and they join the company, they are going to find that out. And so within yeah. so your your early attrition and things like that, you know, people join the company and they know that something was promised, but the reality is totally different. Mm. So uh, it might not, uh, I, I mean, it, it might not be a marketing per se that, you know, you are authentic, but then you have to figure it out that, you know, how uh, how you, how to sell authenticity in a, in a way, right? And, and that way you attract the right people. It's a better match because then people know that, this is the value system that I would that I feel at home here because I just have to be myself, and you know this clicks with me. And ultimately, people I think, especially millennials, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the previous issues that we discussed are also the millennial is a factor there. Right. You, know, it's a, right. you have to be more open, more authentic, two-way street, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I would say value-based culture and authentic leadership. So, so you allow employees to be themselves. I think, uh, you know, if you if we can build that into our workplaces, the uh, it they would be great workplaces because, uh, you know, you are allowing people to feel at home, to be themselves, and to grow. Uh, you know, without having to put up a facade just to uh, you know come to work and collect their paycheck. True. True. Uh, Shri, I think I'll pick over from where Sharad left. You know. Uh, culture, right, or a sense of community. I think this, in the last two years, what has happened is we are not going to office, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, uh, at least for me, um, I had a huge support system in office, right? Mm-hmm. I fight with my husband, I fight with somebody else, I fight with my mom, I go and have a discussion with somebody in office, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, there are a lot of, uh, you know, surveys which ask, like, do you have a best friend at work? Yes. Right? And that's that actually makes a lot of difference. And uh, and to be true, I have best friends from work from previous organization whom I still reach out to you, mm-hmm. reach out to, to you, discuss things. What has happened in this last two years is that sense of community and connect somewhere has broken down, right? Mm-hmm. Now we are just connecting for work. Okay, this is a call in the morning, this is a call in the afternoon, this there's multiple calls through the day. And and then uh, work after the calls, right? Because yeah. you have to achieve what is discussed in the call, right? Sorry, sorry. So that leaves very little space for personal connect over this, you know? That nonsensical, I mean, I had read somewhere that, you know, nonsensical conversations are the most, are very important to a company's culture, right? As is the client conversations, right? And, you know, we have lost those nonsensical conversations over near the coffee pot or just while we are walking around the office um, across a cubicle, we would just pick up something, right? I mean, hey, are you just what happened through the day, right? That is missing. And, And sadly, you know, I feel that, you know, there are avenues which are there right? Mm-hmm. You know, Slack, Google Spaces, there's so many uh, tech, um, you know, this thing which we can pick up. The problem is it is not driven down properly, okay? Yeah. And it is not top-driven, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, somebody at a senior leadership come in, comes into a, uh, you know, a Slack for the whole organization and says, hey, how are you? I know something happened today, you know, I, my, I was walking around with my dog and this happened, what's going on? Or, or even speak about important stuff just like that, right? We don't need to have town halls to communicate 
things, right? Mm -hmm. The world is going out, uh, going in a very, very fast uh, rate. So we need to make things uh, continuously, right? Mm -hmm. And communicate things continuously, even freely. So mm -hmm. I think building that culture, identifying that, uh, you know, finding that channel that uh, brings in the nonsensical conversation in your workplace uh, through various channels and the leaders driving it down, you know, uh -huh. manically to make sure that it happens. I think that would uh, make a lot of difference. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, very basic thing, we always forget, we are always kind of focusing on things that are at hard needs, you know, mm -hmm. very basic, the, uh, you know, the bottom most part, you know, the hygiene needs, right. Um, you know, it's hard, but it is true that, you know, when we are are okay to pay a hundred and twenty percent hike to a person who are whom we are uh, bringing in new against somebody, right? Whereas a person who is right here with me, we are not spending time in the growth in platform. It's very basic. I mean, most probably a thirty percent hike, um, a, a good career path to show that in a two years this is where you would be, uh, would retain that employee and you know stop us from from this thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we are okay to do multiple, you know, hikes after a person kind of quits. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we don't do it naturally. Do we, we do appraisals every year and once hike once a year. Why not, okay. you know, think of a process where, you know, uh, high performers, consistent performers get some form of hike or some form of, you know, re recognition or rewards through various systems, just not the RNR format. I'm saying mm -hmm. those things that can be given out um, identified as a recognition through the year hmm. to tell people, yes, we value you. I think hmm. that is also very, it's very basic, but, you know, showing that trust and value is very, very important. Very important. Anand, uh, any, any thoughts? Absolutely. I think um, majority of the points have been said already, but if, if I'm looking at the current context, right, I'll, I'll say transparency is going to be a key factor hmm. because what has happened is a lot of the organizations are used to have, uh, you know, in-office situation where everyone was physically co-located and there was not as much as much um, digitization as it is today. Although it is forced to an extent, it is happening, right? So it, you, um, uh, I mean, the phrase was, a spoken word cannot be taken back. Hmm. I'll probably extend that a little bit and I'll say it's probably possible to take back the spoken word but once you leave a digital footprint it's not possible to take it back right so coming back to what Sharad said if an organization is promising x and delivering y then that's going to be definitely a problem and I think that's what is leading to the great resignation behavior that we are seeing at the moment because individuals are looking through the glass they are easily understanding what is being said, what is being done. Mm. So as soon as the organizations change their behavior and become more transparent, I think that problem will definitely, definitely get solved and the great resignation can really be inverted into great attraction. Very interesting. So, so if, if I were to summarize some of the key takeaways for uh, our viewers out there, so I think creating the right employee experience, I think that's the core and fundamental of it. It's not just about customer experience, but about uh, employee experience, uh, building uh, a culture which, uh, uh, which looks at authentic leadership uh, at, at the core of how you're leading your teams, 
um, having forums uh, uh, which which kind of facilitate even the nonsensical uh, conversations, uh, right? And and from the driven from the top, uh, as well as you know rewarding people uh, periodically rather than wait for one full year uh, to do that. And last but not the least, have the right technologies and tools which builds in that transparency uh, so that employees can uh, see what's actually happening out there. They feel connected to the culture and they would want to continue uh, with that organization. Uh, so, so thanks once again for all of all our panelists uh, here. Very interesting uh, perspectives. And I'm sure uh, organizations out there will have a lot of uh, takeaways uh, from these uh, which which they can incorporate into the organization and thereby move from uh, you know being a great attrition towards great attraction so thank you once again uh, for all your time and your inputs bluer than indigo leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think.
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.